Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to speak to you about the man named Nicodemus. And the title of my sermon is Nicodemus, the man who played his part. The man who played his part. I want to read uh, the beginning of his story. In John chapter 3, just just a couple verses here, and then we'll go through his story. We meet this man, Nicodemus, in the middle of the night. He's having a conversation with Jesus. And the Bible says in John chapter 3, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, Master, Teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. The reality is, God was not only with Jesus, God was with us through Jesus. And what Nicodemus is asking Jesus is he's identifying that there's something supernatural, something significant, something holy on Jesus' life. And he studied, he studied the scriptures his whole life, but he's never seen something like this. And so what he's asking Jesus is, who are you really? And what are you here to do? And Jesus walks him through the rest of this chapter. I'd encourage you to read this chapter today, John chapter 3. Through one of the most powerful and impacting sermons ever preached, Jesus preached to an audience of one man, Nicodemus. He teaches him that you must be born again. He reveals to him that Jesus came to be lifted up for the salvation of many. And Jesus says, and in the end, this is the judgment that The world was filled with darkness, but today light has come. And Nicodemus was able to have his life intersect with the life of Jesus. And God had a very important part for him to play in the gospel narrative. And I want you to hear me today. God had a part for Nicodemus to play. God has a part for you to play in the great narrative of the gospel. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now, we ask for you to come and speak and reveal to us your nature and who we are because of you and what our part to play is as your ministers. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. 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 My wife and I have recently been watching that show, The Chosen. Have you seen that show? You've seen it, some of you? We're late to the party, you know? We're late. It's been out for three years. To be honest, I didn't want to watch it because I thought it was going to be cheesy Christian television, you know? And even the first episode, my wife's like, Let, she's been asking for months, let's watch this. And I was like, nah, you know? Finally, she got me, and I'm sitting there like all skeptical, like, nah, that's, that's extra biblical. That's, that's... Peter never said that. We have no recording in history of Peter saying that. You know? And then when I'm silent, you know, when I'm silent on a subject, Samantha will look at me, and I'm like, nah, nah. But I got to tell you, that show won me over more and more. I'm like, man, this thing is good. <laughs> and it really is, you know, helping you see the gospel narrative from a, new, from a new perspective. And there's so much good in there, so much truth in there. And the first season centers around the character of Nicodemus. And it began to uh, really, uh, it, like, it, it awakened me to this character. You know, I knew he was in Scripture, but I never knew quite what and who and where. And so I began to research the story of this man's life. And his story is unbelievable. Do you know that Nicodemus is only in the Bible three times? Found in one gospel, the Gospel of John. Only three times. He, he's almost like a very minor side character. You would never think he would stick out. And yet, all three times we find Nicodemus is extremely 
pivotal moments in the narrative of Jesus' story. He shows up at, at unbelievable moments throughout the story of the gospel. He's almost like a Christian biblical Forrest Gump. He just keeps showing up at these amazing moments. And, 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 and what, I, what I got from that is that God had a part for him to play. And the truth is God, God has a part for you to play in his story of the gospel. And I think sometimes we might discount our role if we feel or perceive it as not primary, as not significant enough. But Nicodemus is a great example that God can do a whole lot with just a little. That if you'll give his life, God can take your life and, you, and he can magnify it and God can multiply it. And I think the truth is that many times our perception is limited, but God's plan is unlimited and God has a perfect part for you to play in his plan. And you got to trust that God knows exactly what he's doing with your life. And, 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 and Nicodemus is a character that shows that, 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 that sometimes it's not always the, what we would deem as the significant, as, as like the, the, the people that can fill arenas, the, 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 the ministers that get all of the time in, in the Bible, the, the Pauls and the Peters. But here is this seemingly insignificant man that God uses at pivotal moments. Please hear me. God has a part to, for you to play. It is pivotal. It is significant. It is God-ordained. And your job is simply to find out what part does he have for me to play? That's the question today. What's your part to play? We find Nicodemus beginning his, his part in the book of John, chapter 3. And the Bible says that he starts, this is a good way to start, by seeking God. He comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. The Bible says this man came to Jesus and he said to him, Rabbi, he's coming to him to learn. He's coming to him to understand. Rabbi, what's he doing? He's seeking God. The first step to significance, the first step to playing your part is starting by seeking God. He comes to the right place. He comes to Jesus. Remember what God said to the prophet Jeremiah. He says, and ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. When you begin to search for God, make no mistake, God will begin to open the right doors, place you in the right places, speak the right words to you, and begin to enlighten your mind, your heart, and your spirit. We find Nicodemus coming under the cover of darkness. And the reason is that he was a Pharisee. And the Pharisees hated Jesus. And he was a religious leader. So he had a reputation to uphold. So he couldn't, be, he couldn't be seen coming to Jesus publicly, so he came, the Bible says, under the cover of night. The truth is he was struggling with the fear of man. He was struggling with what might they say if they see? What might they think of me if they hear my questioning? And he came under the covering of darkness. But here's the good news. We see in his life that his desire for truth is growing greater than his fear of man. I pray that your desire for truth grows greater than your fears, than your shame, than what people might think or what people might say. I hope you come to the place where you say, I got to get to the feet of Jesus. I got to get to the rabbi because I've heard all your opinions and I've studied it for my life. I've got to get to the one 
that has the hand of God on his life. He's growing, he's growing tired of a fearful life, and he's, he's moving towards the spirit of truth. This is so powerful. This is so powerful because he comes to Jesus still filled with fear. And the Bible even says under the cover of darkness. And, and the reality is every journey to Jesus begins in darkness, but it ends in light. Your journey, his journey, our journey begins in darkness. But make no mistake, God doesn't leave it there. God moves us from there, and it ends in light. And the reality is that all of us have come to God covered in some form of darkness. So for Nicodemus, it was fear. And sometimes we can, like, stand in judgment of him. Like, he's like, like how dare you be afraid and come in. But that's what he was struggling with. But you and I, we struggle with other things. And, 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 and the good news is that grace opens the way for you to approach the throne even when you're still struggling with some stuff. Even when you haven't conquered some things. He's coming under the covering of darkness and the covering of fear. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel covered in shame or covered in addiction or covered in anxiety or, or covered in sin. Here's the good news that once you come to Jesus... What you once were covered in, you get uncovered from, and you get clothed in Christ Jesus. You were once covered in darkness, but you're about to be covered in grace. That's the good news of the gospel, that love covers a multitude of sins. And love is the covering that you get on you when you come to the feet of Jesus. And so Nicodemus... He's in the right place. He's playing the right part. All he's got to do is seek God. And he comes as a representative of the people of Israel. He was a teacher. He was a leader. He was an Israelite. He comes as a picture of Israel coming before Jesus, who is the light. And, and, and God uses him in this, in, this, in this way. Do you know the name of Nicodemus, what it means? Nicodemus means victory of the people. Victory for the people. It's actually the Greek word Nike. The swoosh. That means victory. And Demas means people. And so, so Nicodemus comes representing the people. But they weren't victorious. They were oppressed. They were oppressed by Rome. They were oppressed by sin. They were oppressed by their own religious leaders. And he's coming covered, covered in darkness to Jesus. But Jesus reveals his master plan to Nicodemus. This is so powerful because, because to the man whose name was victory of the people, Jesus tells him this verse. In John 3, verse 16, Jesus whispers to this man, for God so loved the world that God gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is what Jesus is saying. What's my plan? My plan is victory for the people. And you have a part to play. You have a part to play. Hear me. What is the plan of Jesus? It's victory for you. Victory for your house. Victory for your children. Victory for this land. Victory for the people. And you've got a part to play. It is not small. It is not insignificant. But if you will just seek and show up, God will let you in on it. I think it's so powerful that the greatest verse ever released was spoken in quietness to one person. Because I don't know about you, but when I think of John 3, 16, I think of stadiums, I think of arenas, I think of global, for God so loved the world. It's spoken to one man who dared to seek God. 
When you seek God, he will open up things to you that you cannot believe, see that that is beyond your imagination. God's goal is to bring you into his divine design for humanity. How many are thankful that God has a part for them to play in his grand design? You might say, well, I don't know what my part is yet. I don't know what my calling is yet. I don't know what my identity is yet. I don't know what I'm, I'm here to do. I, I don't know what my part to play is. Can I encourage you? Keep seeking. Just keep seeking. What did Jesus say? Ask, then seek, then knock. But don't stop. Don't stop. Keep showing up. I think it's beautiful that you're here on Sunday morning. What are you doing? You're seeking God. Keep showing up. Keep speaking to Jesus. Keep dialoguing with his word and allow God and the word of God to begin to lead you. Paul says to the Galatians, let us not grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Keep doing good. Keep giving God the glory. Keep seeking his presence. And make no mistake, God will reveal his plan and your part to play to you. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I can do that. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you can do that. Keep seeking. Keep seeking. And pretty amazing. I mean, that alone, would be, that, that alone would be enough. But do you know he shows up, Nicodemus, in another pivotal moment. Jesus is preaching at the temple sometime later. And it's very controversial because whenever Jesus spoke, things got wild. Some people are arguing, saying this is a man of God. Other people are saying we're not so sure. And there's a whole commotion as the people are trying to figure out who is this man. Well, the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling body of the, of the Israelites, they said, well, we'll make the determination on whether this man is from God. They ruled all of Israel, the, the civil, the, the religious, the criminal courts. They were the final say. So the Sanhedrin sends their officers out to arrest Jesus, but the officers come back empty-handed. The Sanhedrin saying, where is he? Where's the man we sent you to arrest? And the officers, they can't help themselves. They say, guys, I added that word. They said, surely you have never heard someone speak with such authority. You, you, you have never heard someone speak like this man. The Sanhedrin now is frustrated, and they say, oh, you've been deceived too. You, the crowd, the people, you're all cursed. They're casting curses on them. You're cursed because you're listening to these words. But in the middle of this moment, we see Nicodemus again. The Bible says that Nicodemus stood up, and he said to them, does our law judge a man? without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? It's a very powerful question. Nicodemus stands and he speaks. What part do you have to play? You've got to seek. You've got to stand. And you've got to speak. And, and Nicodemus stands amidst all of his peers. And he asks this simple question. He says, hey, have you heard him? Have you heard him out? Have you spoken to him? Are you open to his words? And he's speaking with authority. Because Nicodemus could say, I have heard him. I spoke to him. And you wouldn't believe what he said. You wouldn't believe the mercy. 
You wouldn't believe the anointing. Have you ever spoken to someone that when they tell you of an experience, they don't have to say much, but there's a well of authority there? Nicodemus is speaking from a place of experiential authority. And he's saying, have you heard God for yourself? Or are you just going off what everyone else has said? Are you just going off what, what the, the crowds feel? Are you just going off the opinion of others? Have you heard him for yourself? Because we know that faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. Do you remember the Samaritan woman? She said, come see a man who told me. Everything I'd ever done, can this be the Christ? What made her realize that Jesus was the Messiah? A conversation. And hear me, when you begin to dialogue with Jesus, when you open your heart to his words, hear me, his words will change you. The words of Christ will change you. They will change your mind, and they will change your heart, and they will change your values, and they will change your perception of yourself, and they will forgive you when no one else would forgive you, and they will release you when you won't even release yourself. It's the words of Jesus Christ that will change you. And Nicodemus is asking the most powerful question. Have you heard his words for yourself? Or, or are, you just, are you just living off hearsay? Or are you just going off what other people say? What you feel? What you perceive? Have you heard his words? And I would add, and have you submitted your stances to Scripture? Have you heard and have you believed? Have you heard and have you submitted? Because if you had, you'd have a different opinion on this subject. You would see things differently. Reality would begin to shift. All of the Sanhedrin is fearful. Well, that, that was just like Nicodemus, but now he's not fearful anymore. What happened? He talked to Jesus. And perfect love casts out fear. And so now this man is changing. Why? Because of the word. Of the word of Jesus. And he's saying, have you heard him? Have you heard the word or are you living by hearsay? And you have to be careful when you choose your opinions, your judgments, and your doctrines off of hearsay. Because hearsay can quickly turn to heresy. Just get a little bit off. Just get, start listening to one wrong voice. You get in one odd relationship. You receive one weird thing. You go to one strange prayer meeting with no covering. And all of a sudden, you're, you're lost in the woods. All of a sudden, you're, you've lost your joy. You've lost your peace. All of a sudden, you're off. Well, what happened? Well, you started listening to voices that didn't align with the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder, I wonder how many people have opinions on God that have never actually listened to him. And I wonder how many of us are being influenced by people that have stopped listening to the voice of God, have grown distant, have twisted his words to fit their sinful life and have ignore, ignored the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I wonder 
how many of us are off because we're basing our faith in hearsay instead of his words. And you've got to be careful what you choose to believe. And you've got to be careful whose voice you choose to allow to direct your life. Because it must be his words. Or you'll end up making unwise judgments. And here's the Sanhedrin, right? And they're going to make a judgment. And, and, and Nicodemus, he asks the most brilliant question. And he even says, like, hey, isn't it our law? Isn't it in our law to give him a fair hearing, to hear him out? It's so powerful because these people, they supposedly dedicated their whole life to the law. And yet here they are absolutely disregarding the law. Because they didn't actually love the law. They love themselves. They love their position. They love their wealth. They love their status, their influence. They love their easy life. They, they love what they got out of religion. But they didn't want to submit to the creator. They love what they got out of the temple, but certainly they would never sacrifice for the temple. And so they had to stay in a place of ignorance, which meant shutting off to truth. And this isn't the first time they've done this. They did this later on, the same Sanhedrin to Stephen, when he begins to see heaven and telling them what he sees in heaven. The Bible says that they, they closed their ears and began to shout at him, and they murdered Stephen because they refused to hear the truth. My question for you is, are you seeking and are you listening for the truth that comes from the mouth of God? Or are you satisfied with the opinions of man? Nicodemus says, I spoke to him and it's changing me. And so, of course, they begin to accuse. Because that's always, that's always the go-to of the enemy. He is the accuser of the brethren. So instantly, they don't answer. They don't answer they don't answer his challenge. They're not open to reason. They're closed. So what do they do? They start accusing and they say, oh, are you one of them too? Are you a Galilean too? Are you with him? And so what they start doing is instantly setting it up to other him. Oh, you're not part of our group anymore. Oh, you're not with us anymore. Are you? You're with them. I'm, I'm going to come against you. I'm going to push you out. It's the, it's the threat of being ostracized. And if you think that this doesn't work on us, this works on us all the time. This works on Peter. This is the same thing they said to Peter. You remember when the little girl said, are you with him, the Galilean? And he goes, I don't even know the man. This tool has worked in the enemy's toolbox before. But not on Nicodemus. The man that was once filled with fear is now filled with courage. Say what you want. I'm standing on the word of Jesus Christ. Because, see, the enemy always tries to mock courage. The enemy always tries to undercut it. The enemy wants you pushed down. That's called oppression. The enemy wants you submissive to his own ways and his own words and your own lusts and your own feelings. He wants you to chase anything but the thing that will set you free. So, so the enemy will always try and mock the courage and conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit. But the truth is that we must act like Nicodemus, you might not change them, but you have to stand and speak for truth. I can't control the whole situation, but here's my opportunity. So I got to play my part. The Sanhedrin wasn't convicted. They didn't repent in that moment. But Nicodemus had something change on the inside of him. 
He made a declaration of who he was, and I like that the Sanhedrin even got to the right opinion. They were trying to accuse him, but God actually had a little bit of truth in in it that, no, no, you are going to be a Galilean. You're going to end up a follower. I love it when God uses what the enemy meant to mock you and turns it around for your blessing, turns it around for your elevation, turns it around for his purposes. No, no, you are. You are going to end up a follower of Jesus Christ. So even what the enemy uses to laugh at you, I think you can stand and laugh back because God God is greater in you. God is greater in you than the enemy is in the world. And God stands with you. You might not change them, but you must stand and speak when the opportunity arises for you too and play your part. There's many different issues that right now the church is called to, to speak on and to stand for that are unpopular amongst the world and the Sanhedrin saints. And, and, and right now the church is called not to be popular, but to play our part. When up is down and, 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 and evil is good and right is wrong, when things are upside down, the church must get its beliefs not on the opinions of others in culture, The church has to hear the word of God and has to believe the word of God and has to stand on the authority of scripture. And one of these issues right now in the four is the sanctity of life in the womb. And I thank God that our highest court overturned a curse that was on this nation. It broke a curse that was on this nation. And that happened because of 50 years of the saints standing and praying and being courageous. And I got to tell you, I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. I never thought I'd see something like this. But God is on the move. God is on the move and he's not done. And we have to hear God on these issues. I, I remember when this issue came up in 2019 in Rhode Island and they put a bill forward to codify uh, abortion in Rhode Island uh, up to the minute of birth, late term, up to the minute of birth, this bill went forward. And it shocked us, and it woke us up. You want to talk about awakening? It woke us up. And we said, well, God, what does your word have to say about this? We began to search the scriptures, and we saw in Genesis that that God initiated all creation, and he is the author and finisher of life, the grand designer, and he starts it off. And then we looked in Jeremiah where it says, before I formed you, God says, in the womb, I knew you, and I called you, and I purposed you. And we looked in Psalms where it says that he has fashioned you in the innermost depths, in the sanctity of the womb, God's hand is working to make you. And we looked in the book of Luke in chapter one and two, when, when God puts the child Jesus in the womb of Mary and John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth. And when they first meet each other, the Bible says that, that the child in Elizabeth's womb leaps by the power of the Holy Spirit in recognition of the child in the womb of Mary. And so we see that the first acknowledgement of Jesus is from a child in the womb. And so we see that God has his hand He has his hand in this process, and we've heard him speak on this. And so we felt like we had to stand and speak. My wife and I and many of you in the church joined us. We went to the state house, and some of us stayed till 3, 4 in the morning to stand and speak on that bill. 
And in the end, they had to do a whole lot of shenanigans. They had to move it around. And in the midnight, in the dark hour, they passed that bill. And we lost that in Rhode Island. We can't control everything. But we did play our part. And in that opportunity, we stood and we spoke. And from that moment, We Heart Lives was birthed. And we have seen God do amazing things through We Heart Lives in this church. And We Heart Lives' existence is to help mothers and children. We've had hundreds of baby showers for mothers that were considering giving up their child, considering not going through with motherhood. And we've come around them and we have said, whatever you need, we will supply and we will resource and we will help you. If you'll choose life, we'll, we'll crowd around you. And they have. They have. All the food that we've done is because we, get, we give away. Even this past Saturday when there's roiling, yesterday in the roiling in this city and protests, the church shows up and provides sustenance because that's who we are. In the prison ministry, when we're reconnecting fathers and children, mothers and children, it came out of this moment, We Heart Lives. And we have seen in this house so many women and men healed. Healed. And I want you to know, if you have had an abortion, you're in the right place for forgiveness and for healing and to be covered in grace. And we've seen God help and move. We've seen psychological healings, we've seen bodily healings, and we've seen grace come over people. All of this, all of this came out of the fact that all we're called to do is stand and play our part and allow God to bring blessing from us, to bring truth into a dark place. The Sanhedrin was filled with darkness, and yet here stands Nicodemus representing the light. My hope is that you will stay faithful, that you'll play your part, and that when God opens opportunity in your life, in your work, in your world, in your family, that you will stand and represent the word of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The third and final time that we see Nicodemus, he is at the cross. Crucifixion has gone on and Jesus has died and is hanging there. And the narrative turns towards Nicodemus. He's standing at the foot of the cross. And the Bible tells us that Nicodemus, also the one who had come to Jesus by night, he came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes. So they took the body of Jesus down off the cross and they bound it in linen cloths with spices Think about it. His relationship with Jesus started in secret under the cover of night. But the last time we see him, he's standing publicly at the foot of the cross. And he's saying, I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm with the one that brings light. I'm with the one that forgives. I'm with the one that heals. See, this wouldn't be the moment where you'd want to join Jesus' ministry. The ideal moment would be somewhere around the Sermon on the Mount. But not when it seems like his ministry was ending. But Nicodemus was a man of faith. Faith comes by hearing. 
He was a man of faith. And in that darkest moment, Nicodemus comes out publicly as a follower of Jesus. What a transformation from a man that wouldn't be seen with him to now the only man that would be seen with him. Where's James? Where's Peter? Where's John? They've run. Judas is betrayed. They're hiding. But Nicodemus says, I'm going to stand right here. You know what's so powerful? He didn't bring nothing. He sought, he stood, and now he sacrifices. He brings with him 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe. An immense cost. And he brings this because he's going to wrap the body of Jesus and prepare it for burial. And this sort of burial, with that much burial spices, was reserved only for the kings of Israel. And Nicodemus is saying, that's how I see him. That's my king. And he brings all of his wealth, an immense sacrifice to the foot of the cross. And more than even just money, he brings his whole reputation. He knows that after this, he's out of the Sanhedrin. The one that used to be the teacher of Israel is now going to be shunned by Israel. He knows what it, the ramifications are for his family, that he's losing his friends. He's turning his back on his, the entirety of his old life. He counts it all as loss. It's no longer I who live. I'm done with that. I'm willing to be associated with Jesus, and I will take the shame of the cross as long as I can stand with Christ. He brings his wealth. He brings his position. He brings his reputation. And more than even all of that, as if that wasn't enough, he does it on the eve of Passover. And, and, and during Passover, a, a priest, which is what he was, couldn't touch a dead body. If he did, he would be ceremonially unclean, and he wouldn't be allowed to partake in Passover, which is his whole religion. And Nicodemus says, I'm done living by the blood of lambs, and now I'm going to live by the blood of the lamb. I'm not unclean. I'm clean by the cross. I'm done with religion. I'm beginning relationship. This is a pivotal moment. The most pivotal of all human history, the cross. And here we find Nicodemus. Don't ever under underestimate the moments that God brings you into. All you have to do is play your part. Bring your all. And leave it at the foot of the cross. Every disciple must find themselves at the foot of the cross. Giving our all. He removes the body of Jesus off the cross and he prepares it for burial. And he's wrapping it along with Joseph of Arimathea. And I can't help but think he remembered the words that Jesus spoke to him all those years before. In the middle of the night. When God said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Nicodemus heard those words. Now he's seeing the fulfillment of those words. Please hear me. 
When God speaks to you, he'll speak promises to you. When God speaks to you, he'll include you in his grand narrative. When God speaks to you, he will place you exactly where he needs you to be. And all you have to do is be faithful to play your part. Seek, stand, and sacrifice. And Nicodemus was a part of the most pivotal moment in all of history simply because he chose to hear God and follow his word. Everyone has a part to play in the story of the gospel. My hope is that you would discover your part and that you would play it well. Don't belittle it. Don't get frustrated with it. Don't count it as nothing. Don't say it's taken too long. Let God speak to you. Let God work with you. Grow in sacrifice. And I believe when you get to heaven, God's going to show you all of the moments that you played a pivotal pivotal role that maybe you never even recognized. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.